Well, hello, everyone. This is J.B. Hickson with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio beneath the sky here in the tall timbers of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us. It's Wednesday, November the 8th, 2023, and time for a World Events Update with our good friend Randy. I'll bring Randy on in uh, just a moment. Uh, really looking forward to what he has to say, but as I was uh, thinking about uh, the devotional for today, uh, I got up early today and took my daughter, my youngest daughter, to her uh, co-op or homeschool a co-op, a Christian school, kind of hybrid. And uh, normally Wendy takes her, but today I took her. And uh, we've got some snow in the forecast here in the mountains. We're expecting a little bit. Of course, you never know. It can, you know, they call for an inch, you get a foot. They call for a foot, you get nothing. So you just never know around here. But it was a little bit brisk out there, not snowing yet, supposed to come in uh, later on uh, today. But I was thinking about uh, the first snowfall of winter, and we've already had that here uh, for a number of years. We lived up in a very remote, uh, higher elevation part of the mountains. Uh, our cabin was at about 10,500 feet, and all around us were uh, 13ers and 14ers. Uh, and we got a ton of snow there, even more than we get where we are now. But it was always really just, you know, nostalgic to get that first snowfall, which honestly up there, it came in September. We always had a pretty significant snowfall in September. It would often melt and we wouldn't have, you know, the day, you know, daily snow until uh, later in October, November. But uh, it, we always had snow in September, usually by the 15th. Uh, our last snow, by the way, when we were up there was June. So the only two months of the year at that elevation, we didn't get snow were July and August. But that first snow, it was just something about it. You know, you the, the summers are so beautiful in Colorado and, you know, fairly mild. And you can do so much outside, go for walks and hiking and four-wheeling and fishing and uh, hunting and those kinds of things. But when that snow hits, it's just gorgeous. And it reminded me of that metaphor uh, white as snow. And uh, I thought of three passages in Scripture that actually use that metaphor, all of them in a different context, uh, but each of them just really, you know, enlightening and, and a good reminder as you think about snow. And I don't know what part of the country or world that you may be in listening to this podcast. You may not get snow, uh, but certainly everybody can appreciate uh, the picture of snow, that picturesque, you know, rooftops covered, pine trees glistening with white, uh, you know, sidewalks and driveways all covered. You got to get out the plows and the shovels and the snow blowers and that kind of thing. Uh, but one of the first references, at least that came to my mind on in Scripture, was Isaiah's prophecy. You know, Isaiah, the great 8th century BC prophet to the Northern Kingdom, he uh, his book has 66 chapters in our English Bible and um, corresponds really with the Bible, the message of the Bible as a whole. The Bible has 66 books. The first 39 are uh, talking about the law. Uh, the, the New Testament has 27 books and talks about uh, grace in, in essence. Uh, of course, grace is a theme all through Scripture. But uh, as Isaiah is prophesying the word of the Lord to the people of Israel, uh, he begins in chapter 1, we look at verse 18 by saying, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be 
as wool. And in the context, God is inviting uh, the Jewish people to come to their senses, essentially, to, that's what he means by come, let us reason together. It's like, get real. Come on, think think about your situation and admit that you've done wrong and that you're sinning. And uh, it was kind of a, a call to examine yourself and, uh, you know, realize uh, what your relationship is uh, with the Lord. And if they did that, if they acknowledged the depth of their sins and uh, came to the Lord to receive His grace, which is totally free, then their sins would be like uh, white as snow, and uh, and they would be spiritually pure. And that's what happens when we come to faith. And that's just a beautiful picture of what happens when a person gets saved. You know, we are sold under sin. We've been born sinners. Uh, that sin comes with a steep penalty, and there's nothing within us that can merit uh, bring merit before a holy God. We we cannot be good enough, do enough, uh, act righteous enough to impress a holy God. We've got to be cleansed, and that cleansing comes in the form of faith in Jesus Christ, God's Son, who died on the cross for our sins. He paid the penalty for our sin so that He could offer forgiveness, offer the remedy to our sin problem. And the minute you trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation—and by the way, I always add that, and Him alone, because a lot of people say they trust in Christ, but they they add to that one condition of faith things like turning away from your sin, promising to be good, making a confession or commitment to God, uh, promising and pledging to never sin again, and I'll never do this, and I promise to do that, and I'll give you this, and I'll give you that. No, no, it's faith alone in Christ alone. And when you do that, when you come empty-handed to Christ and say, I'm a sinner who needs a Savior, in that instant, He saves you. And from God's perspective, He no longer sees the darkness of sin in your life. He sees the righteousness of Christ, and your sins are as white as snow. So I encourage you today as we listen to Randy and talk and interact and, and think about how things are unfolding in the world today to make sure that you have, in fact, become born again by faith so that your sins in the Lord's eyes are as white as snow. It doesn't mean that we don't still sin. We do. We're not perfect until we get to heaven, and we still have that old man wrestling with us. And sometimes, even though we are positionally righteous before a holy God, we don't act in a practical righteous way. That's just the nature of the Christian life. We we are not perfect. Uh, when we get saved, we, we, we don't automatically become perfect and get immediately taken to heaven. We still have to live out our days and serve the Lord and faithfully follow Him, and a normal, natural, healthy believer is going to do that by pleasing the Lord and living a life that's consistent with the new life they have in Christ. But uh, when we don't, uh, thankfully, <clears throat> we can we can make that right with the Lord. It doesn't affect our eternal destiny. Our position in Christ is secure. Nothing can ever change that. Once you become a child of God, your spiritual DNA is set for life. Nothing can change that. Uh, but when we get out of fellowship with the Lord, when we backslide, when we cater to the flesh instead of the Spirit, uh, you know, that sweet, uh, intimate reunion is always just a, a, a short word of confession away when we say, Lord, you know, I blew it. I blew it in my thoughts. I blew it in my actions. I missed the mark a little bit yesterday. Please uh, forgive me. And in that instant, we're right back in right fellowship with Him. So you're always part of the family of God once you've taken that initial step of faith, and our sins are as white as snow— but you can drift in and out of fellowship with the Lord as you live a fleshly life, and I hope uh, I hope you you know understand that and understand the distinction between our position and our practice. But the next uh, uh, metaphor that comes to mind in Scripture 
regarding white as snow uh, deals with God Almighty himself and Daniel's uh, great uh, prophecy in Daniel chapter 7, his vision of the Ancient of Days, which is referring to the Creator God, Almighty God. And listen to what Daniel says. I watched till the thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, a reference there to his purity. In fact, Daniel goes on in the next line to say, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. This is quite a scene of the Almighty God at the end of the age, uh, leading up to the return of His Son and our Savior. He says, "...the court was seated and the books were opened. I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which were which the horn was speaking." Remember, he's already introduced uh, the uh, the horn the, 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 and that final beast there that represents the Antichrist. And I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. Indeed, one day the Antichrist and false prophet will be cast into the lake of fire. We read about that in Revelation 19. As for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. But I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him, and then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. You know, one day that almighty God, ancient of days, whose garment is as white as snow, is going to hand the kingdom of this world back over to its rightful heir, Jesus Christ, his Son and our Savior. And what a day that will be in his glorious return. And speaking of that, the final reference to white as snow that I thought of comes from Revelation chapter 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the final book of the Bible that tells the story of this return to make all things new, the, that return which uh, we look forward to, and that return which, uh, as we talk with Randy and other guests, we see the stage being set for uh, every day, setting the stage for this uh, consummation of the ages. And so at the outset of Revelation, we know in, in this introduction, John says, then I turned, this is in verse 12 of chapter 1, then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. We find out later that those are the seven churches um, and uh, that he's going to write let letters to, that Jesus is going to write letters to uh, in chapters 2 and 3. And in the midst of these seven lamb stands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. That's Jesus Christ. His hair, his head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow. Sounds very reminiscent of what we just read in Daniel chapter 7, speaking of God. And yet this time it's the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself. And his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. That's the seven messengers, as we find out, that go out and deliver his message to each of those seven first century churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. 
He had in his hand seven stars, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. That's the same picture we get at the end of Revelation chapter 19 when he comes back to take the throne. His countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me and saying to me, do not be afraid. You see this again and again uh, throughout God's progressive revelation. You saw it with the angels outside Bethlehem. You saw it with the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, the presence of the Lord is not usually an occasion uh, to do anything other than fall prostrate right before uh, the Lord. But he said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Uh, every time we remind, we read anything about the resurrection of our Lord, it just reminds Satan of what a great big loser he is, how he's lost the battle. It's over. So he says, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which shall take place after this. That's Revelation 1.19. And it gives us the outline for the whole book of Revelation. So as you uh, see the snow begin to cover the ground, and in our case, it's, it once it really starts coming in earnest, it'll be there for several months and finally start to melt along about March or April around here. And not that we won't have more snow events after that, but it's, uh, it's really a solid two or three months of nothing but snow and sludge on all the roads and everywhere you go. But when you see that snow, or if you're not in a place where it snows, if you think about snow, just remember those three passages of Scripture. Number one, your sin can be as white as snow if you'll trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation. Number two, God Almighty is pure and, uh, you know, clothed in a garment white as snow. And number three, the eternal Son of God is also clothed in a garment white as snow, and He's coming back one day to make all things new. So I'm so excited to have Randy back on. I love Randy. He's a dear friend. I love talking with him. You know, we were talking off uh, off air before we got started about how uh, things are really uh, falling apart. I've got some travel upcoming, and and Randy said, "Well, I hope you know you think you're going to be able to get to do it before the world falls apart." And I said, "Well, I hope the rapture happens that preempts my trip." But I do think, uh, even though the world is falling apart, I don't think we're going to see the end of the world as we know it. Uh, any moment, though we we certainly could, but I definitely give an A plus to the Luciferians for their effort in trying to uh, destroy the world. So, uh, real quick, just a couple of reminders. Uh, we've got, had a great week already this week. We had Shane Booth on on Monday to talk about technological tools of tyranny you have not heard about. Definitely worth listening to that podcast. Uh, yesterday, Tom Hughes was on talking about the Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast and his book, Mark, Marking the Masses. Uh, and then uh, we close out the week. Uh, tomorrow, uh, we've got uh, Nathan Jones on to talk about the message of the minor prophets. Really, really looking forward to that discussion. And then Friday, we will repost our Worldview Matters that airs this week on Worldview Matters TV with David uh, Fiorazzo. So lots to listen to out there. Uh, don't forget to Thursday, which is tomorrow, we've got our next scheduled Premier Member Zoom session. If you are not a Premier Member but would like to be, very simple. Go to notbyworks.org, click on the store, and purchase the Premier subscription. It's very inexpensive, and it's a great way to, to get access 
to exclusive content. Uh, for example, often when we record podcasts, we record the video, but we only post the audio. Well, for Premier members, we will frequently post the behind-the-scenes video, so you can actually watch the discussion uh, taking place. We also post special other uh, content that is only for Premier members. Uh, sometimes I'll speak at a conference and they'll say, hey, please don't repost this because we want to have exclusive rights to it on our site. And then I'll say, well, hey, do you mind if I post it just to a select group of uh, our Premier members? And they say, sure, just uh, post it only to them rather than on the, the web as a whole. So things like that. But the biggest benefit of our Premier membership is getting to be a part of our uh, Zoom live Zoom Q and A's. This next one is tomorrow, Thursday, November the 9th at seven o'clock Central Time. If you are a Premier member and can't make the live session, not to worry, we record it and it's posted in the Premier section so that you can watch it at your leisure. If you're interested in signing up, uh, go to notbyworks.org and uh, click on the store and you can see more about it. It's a small monthly fee, or you can also sign up for an annual fee. No obligation. You can cancel at any time. So if you if I say something that you don't you don't like and you decide you don't like not by works anymore, you can always uh you can always cancel. So Randy, I don't I don't think I'll ever say anything that uh that you don't like, do I? I mean, uh, you're my friend, aren't you? Yes, and you would be the first one to know if you did. Yes, I would. I I know you well. That's what I love about good friends. They tell it like it is. So welcome back, my friend. Uh, and uh, I tell you what, um, I've got my, uh, you know, my uh, heartburn medication right here, ready to go. So uh, fire away. Uh, heartburn. Okay. At least you don't have to have your nitro. That's a good thing. I don't want to get it quite that bad. That's for sure. Oh, well, good morning, everybody. I love this time of the year. It's cold or getting colder. We have snow. We have football. We have holidays. Um, it's always been my favorite time of the year. Uh, as time goes on, I keep wondering how many more do we have left? And I got to tell you what, we're definitely getting down to the end. There's no doubt about it. But we will now go over all the good stuff you've been waiting with um, baited in. Anticipation, I'm sure, of what's going on this week. First off, I want you to all know that Elon Musk is accepting applications. For those of you that would like to be his guinea pig for the Neuralink um, installation into your brain. Uh, it's been okayed by the U.S. government. There are thousands lighting up to have this done. And it's going to be really interesting because if anybody's ever looked at the research on the monkeys that they were experiencing or they experimented with, you certainly would be not, it wouldn't be wise to sign up for it yet, but whatever. If anybody does sign up for Neuralink, please let Pastor or I know because we'd love to uh, monitor that with you because I think it's going to be um, interesting. Yeah, I got to say, there's a few minds out there that I would love to get a peek inside of, even though uh, that's not God's divine design. The Luciferians love to kind of do mind control uh, programs, but it would be tempting, wouldn't it? Well, it would be because I'd love to hook up some of the politicians, take a look in there, see if anything is really inside of that skull or if it's just dead air. <laughs> yeah, because that's right. It would say, sorry, it. nothing found, error, nothing here. Yeah. yeah. Look, look through, look in one ear, look through the outer ear, other ear, and there's nothing that would be a little scary. All right. Let's just start off right here with some of the stuff that you may have heard or may not have heard. The Federal 
Federal Reserve at 33 Liberty Street in New York City supposedly is one of the main stockpiles of gold for the United States Treasury. Now, unfortunately, we haven't had an audit there in years. We don't know if there's gold in there or not, but it's really, really interesting because they have been placing huge orders of freeze-dried food to be delivered to that location. Now, why would they have food delivered to that location? Nobody stays overnight. They work shifts like we all do, but they're ordering it so fast that the general public is not able to get any right now. So I don't know what they've got planned there. It makes me a little nervous. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, they know something's coming. They're going to lock the door and keep us out. And I don't know what else they have um, planned. But um, I know that the uh, U.S. government is buying just about all of the ammunition that's available right now. I don't know of certain types and of certain calibers. I don't know if that's all going to Israel, if that's going to Ukraine, or if they're just stockpiling for the um, stocks reserves we used to have. I have no idea, but I do notice the price has gone up and the availability has gone up also. Um, like I mentioned before, I monitor Flight Radar 24, which basically shows all of the air traffic in the world uh, because of the transponders that are on the aircraft except for the ones that turn their transponders off. Now, it's getting to concern me a little bit because I've noticed a lot of flights going from the East Coast and the West Coast going into NORAD Cheyenne Mountain into their bunker there. Now, as we discussed, I believe it was last week, underneath the Denver airport is a very large facility that will hold up to 50,000 people in the event of a major disaster so they can restart the world. Now, I'd love to know who's on the plane, why they're on the plane, and why there's so many trips. Um, you know, some of the celebrities, they have their own bunkers in many different places in the world. Um, our president and vice president, I don't know for sure where they would end up if something actually happened. But for have these, having these planes congregating in Denver, it's a little bit concerning, kind of like they know something's coming on that we don't know yet. So yeah, always remain vigilant. Yeah, and I've seen an increase too where we are. We see a lot of military flights as well, and it's fairly routine. Uh, but I know last night, just before it got too dark, which of course it gets darker a lot sooner now, my dogs went crazy because there was a really low-flying uh, plane, and I could tell it was a military uh, jet of some kind. I couldn't get a good shot at it because uh, the, the trees were kind of blocking my view no matter where I went. And uh, so, uh, but it was very low. And uh, I can always tell when it's, when there's planes low because my dogs hear them before I do. I have terrible hearing, but they went bananas. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It just seems like there's a lot of activity uh, uh, everywhere we go. And I, I don't know if you're going to talk about this, but you and I got <clears throat> A message just before we went on air from a mutual friend who uh, was talking to an active duty military person who is not normally known for being kind of a into into the world stuff and prophecy and uh, you know prepping. But this person uh, contacted our mutual friend and said, "You know what? You better start getting ready." And so those are the kind of things that get our attention, don't they? Oh well, yeah, especially this gentleman. I mean, this guy, you know, he's pretty low key, but you can tell that he, in the last couple of months, 
is getting a lot more into this, understanding it a lot more and worrying about some of this stuff like the rest of us do. So, yeah, the general public, when they finally get the message, that'll be a good time to stay in your house. That's for sure. So, you know, talking about the supplies and we have food, gasoline, all of that that we need to worry about. The Panama Canal, as we've mentioned several times, is really drying up and a lot of the traffic that goes through there is no longer able to get through in a timely fashion. Now, through the Panama Canal, we get 40% of our energy and 40% of our food imports. The Panama Canal goes down, we would have immediate shortages that will raise the prices, make everything scarce. And I'm afraid it's coming faster than we can even believe. You know, there aren't as many problems on the coasts with the ports and stuff clogging up like there were, but it's more insidious. It's like we know that they're stockpiling food in Springfield, Missouri, in Kansas City, Missouri, in the caverns that are around those areas. Now, how much do they think they need? Because as we mentioned, I believe, what was that, maybe February or March, the um, caverns in uh, Springfield, Missouri, will have up to 90, 95 semis go through there in a day. Where can you possibly put that much product of whatever we're talking? Yeah, in that area, um, we, we're very familiar with it. I had two sons that went to college there in that Springfield area, and we've uh, done a lot of ministry over the last 20 years down in Branson, and we we it's a favorite spot for family trips as well. But we're, we're talking not just Springfield proper, but basically that whole Ozark Mountain region going all the way down even, even into northern Arkansas. Uh, we don't know. Uh, I mean, somebody knows, but but we're, we're not privy to the information of just how vast and expansive those tunnels are. But I can tell you, I've seen video and driven by. It's up where, where the Pensmore Mansion is, if people are familiar with that famous uh, uh, icon um, uh, that you can see from uh, 65 there. Uh, but we've uh, seen video of and driven by places that have these massive openings. And, you know, it's like a six, eight, 12 lane highway type size going in there. So uh, who knows where all it goes? I think we mentioned on a previous uh, podcast that there's there's a lot of evidence that these underground tunnels actually interconnect and intersect all across the country. Uh, but for sure, there's a lot going on over there in that um, Springfield, you know, Branson, Missouri area. Well, if things get bad, we know where they're stocking it. We'll just gang up, get about 100,000 of us and march in, right? Yeah. And you can, do you mind going first? And um, I'll, I'll kind of hold back and watch the, watch your back. I'll watch your six and you go on in and just give me a heads up when it's all clear. Okay. Now you're really buying into this old man thing that you started a week ago, aren't you? You know, oh, I'm that's right. I forgot. Thank you all for all the numerous emails that we've been getting. I've gotten so many chuckles. It's just brightened my day. We're gonna. I forgot to introduce you that way. I've been so busy. I I just kind of wasn't thinking. But yeah, this is uh, the JB and Grandpa Randy show uh, coming to you live from our uh, studio here in Colorado. So anyway, uh, continue on, Grandpa. All righty. What I like best about all of the uh, emails and stuff that we got is the salty. I don't know what they mean by salty. I know what I think it means, but they're probably closer than they ever imagined. (laughs) Right? (laughs) 
So, I don't know. I kind of think of you as more garlicky myself, but that's uh, that's just my opinion. <laughs> well, it, it could be worse. So garlic, salt, whatever. Don't smoke a pipe, but I might get one just for looks. You just never know. Yeah. But um, I don't know. It, it was very funny. All right. So we know that the Panama Canal is having problems. We know there are going to be problems there. So get your food, your water, and everything stockpiled because when it finally gets down to where it is a real problem and the general public understands that, you won't be able to get anything at a reasonable price. Now, in case any of you were worrying about President Trump, you know, he's in court every day and says that the expenses are just killing him for the uh, trials. I want you to know that his uh, net worth has increased $500 million since he last left office. And I want you to know that all that money you're sending to him for his reelection is what he's using for his court costs and his attorneys. So I want you to know he's living real well. I don't think they're ever going to convict him, put him in jail, because I don't know how you get that many Secret Service guys in the same cell. But <laughs> I guess we'll we'll find out, right? Yeah, and and I tell you what, I know right now they're with all the Republican debates going on and the politics kind of getting more and more attention, which again, it's all theater. Don't be distracted. Don't forget, you know, what I said in my how to interpret the news presentation, which thankfully that's gotten a lot of traction. It's been posted and reposted various places, but uh, don't be distracted by all this. It's all just good theater. But what they they seem to be uh, setting the stage for is, uh, you know, another Trump uh, run at the presidency. I don't know how that works. You know, if you're in prison, um, or even if he will be in prison, maybe they'll they'll uh, find a way. Maybe this is all just theater for now. But when the push comes to shove, he'll be found innocent. I hope so, because most of the charges are just completely bogus. Um, not that he's a good guy. You know my feelings on Trump. He's got a long history of doing a lot of bad things. Um, but uh, certainly, this is uh, this is not proper to be uh, hanging him out to dry simply because he pointed out what everybody with half a brain knows, and that is that the election was rigged. But I tell you what, uh, what I keep reminding myself of, Randy, is don't get caught up in it too soon. The narrative can change 10 different times between now and next November. So don't expend a lot of energy. Uh, and I'm really preaching to myself here because I find myself doing this. Um uh, Let's not spend a lot of energy trying to figure out what a Trump-Biden election would look like when Trump <clears throat> has so many legal woes, because we are it's not entirely sure just yet what the situation is going to be. <clears throat> it's entirely possible that we might not even have an election. We say that every four years, but this year more than ever, a lot could happen before then. So maybe that's the reason that they're uh, continuing the narrative because they know they're not going to have to deal with a candidate who has been uh, convicted of multiple felonies if if that were to happen. Uh, or it's possible he'll be acquitted, or it's possible uh, something else will take him out and he won't even end up being the candidate. Uh, it's possible Biden won't be the candidate. A lot of things can happen in the next year, but it is uh, it is kind of interesting to try to uh, read the tea leaves and see what they're posturing for here a year out. Well, it's truly disgusting that those are the those are the headliners. <laughs> Three hundred and thirty-five million people. If that's the best that we can bring, I tell you what, we better we'd be better off just having fifty independent states and just taking care of it on a state level, because the federal government is so corrupt. We have such idiots in control 
that you get up in the morning, you read the news, and then you look at what's past the news, and you're going, Lord, how, why did we deserve such a uh, an illustrious group of individuals, right? Yeah. Illustrious so, is one way to put it. You know, you ought to run, uh, Grandpa Randy. I, you'd get my vote. Well, it depends what you give me in return. If you promise to give me back all my Social Security money, which I'm never going to see, uh, if you if you promise to return that to the people uh, and audit the Fed and open up Fort Knox and uh, get rid of all the Luciferians in Congress and the Senate and outlaw abortion, if you do those things, you've got my vote, brother. Yes, and I'd last about two days. So, yeah. you know, oh, then you okay. better... Who do you want as vice president? Uh, thank you. I accept. <laughs> there we go. He's already he's already planning. That scares Randy me. Randy JB ticket. Wow, that would scare the daylights out of a lot of liberals. Uh, but uh, anyway, well, you wouldn't have to worry about secrets because you and I are about as blunt as they get. And baby, if we're thinking something, you're going to know what we're thinking. That's so true. you know that's a good thing. That way, you're not surprised. All right. I've had several people comment on how cheap gas is, and they're wondering why. All right. There are several reasons why. I mean, most of it's political because Saudi Arabia says they're going to maintain their cuts. Um, you know, Russia's going to do this. Iran's going to do that. But right now, there are 48 super tankers either in the Gulf of Mexico or heading that way, full of fuel. For some reason, it's all coming in now, and I'm sure it's all political. You know, we're going to the end of the year. They want to get us to the end of the year without everything exploding. Um, you know, we're changing from the summer blend to the winter blend of gasoline. That always makes a difference. Consumption goes down in the winter. Consumption is down because prices were high. The Chinese are um, they're going broke, so they're not using near as much fuel as they did. Now, understand, this is going to be brief because we still don't have all of the areas opened up. We're not doing much fracking anymore. So when this fuel is used up, your prices are going to skyrocket. And I think politically wise, they've got that set for probably around the first of the year. Or if the Iranians cut off the Strait of Hormuz, it'll be the next morning. So just understand, this is a brief thing. This is not going to go on for long. Yeah, so I know you, this is on your list to get to, but I just got an alert uh, from one of the mainstream media sources that talks about how apparently a brother of one of the Hamas hostages um, is saying that, look, America is next, so we need to be ready. What What are you hearing? Uh, because I know over the last couple of weeks, you've talked a lot about the threats to our homeland, the terrorist cells, uh, especially once this war started. Uh, we were fearful that when Hamas and Hezbollah called for people, you know, to, to death to America, death to Israel, that kind of a thing, that things could flare up. Where do, where do things stand on that front? I mean, obviously, we, we're, we don't have a crystal ball, but it seems like, and we could always be at the mercy of, of evil people doing evil things. But uh, what are, what's DHS saying? What's the FBI saying? Are we seeing an upsurge in threats? Well, the threats are more abundant. They are more serious. And if you're on my email list, text list, or whatever, I gave an update the other day, I believe it was over the weekend, on cities that they are considering to be really high value for terrorists, and they expect something to happen soon. Now, remember, when I give you information, 
Sometimes it's not going to be in written form because I don't get it in written form either. I get a phone call or I watch one of the areas I'm watching. This stuff pops up. I copy it down. I give it to you just as it comes out. Now, we know there are hundreds of thousands of well, Hezbollah, Hamas, Russians, Chinese, cartel individuals, etc. waiting. Now, I think what happened, I think all of this was supposed to be simultaneous, but the good people in Gaza, the Hamas group, probably jumped the gun. Now, this is something you're going to find out probably in the months or years to come. You're not going to hear about it now, I guarantee you. But our CIA was also involved in everything that happened on October 7th. Well, there's a shocker. There. I know. I mean, you know, everybody's going, well, why did they wait so long? There were specific reasons why. You know, you have Joe Biden, you have Netanyahu, uh, both of them politically are on some really unstable ground. They need a war to stay in office, basically. And so everything over there is a powder keg anyway, between the Shias, the Sunnis, the Jews, they just went ahead and started a little early. Now, I can't tell you exactly what the CIA did. I can give you some pretty good hints, but this is not all on Hamas. You know, the CIA is stirring up trouble. Syria, Iraq, Iran, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, because they want a war. We need the oil supplies. We need to have a firm hold in that area, and they're going to do whatever they can to foster the war. Now, everybody's not paying attention to Ukraine and China. We'll go that into that in a little bit. But just remember, this is very intense in Gaza right now. Uh, they're going house to house, building to building, and they're moving through very quickly. Now, if you recall, Hezbollah said, well, you know, you go into Gaza, into especially the main part, we're going to attack. The attacks from Hezbollah and from Lebanon are very small. Their skirmishes going back. They lob a couple missiles, bomb a couple places, but there's no full-scale attack. So what one has to think is they're waiting for a specific time. The troops are there. The ammunition and all the material are there. It's just waiting. Now that we have moved our one-carrier group and amphibious assault ships into the Red Sea, and into the Persian Gulf over by the Strait of Hormuz and into the Iranian area, we have all of these ships, aircraft that are right off the uh, coast of Israel. I'm thinking things are about ready to run. Now, I don't know exactly when it's going to happen, but remember, we have a government shutdown on the 17th. We have two holidays coming up, actually three if you count New Year's. I think they're scheduling the attack since they didn't hold to what they said. I think they're going to hit us when we don't anticipate it. And I would say that probably one of the holidays would be their choosing. Um, I can see it coming. I can see it going full force. Uh, you have sporting events. You have people celebrating. What better time to try and um, stir up trouble? So understand, the terror alerts get worse every day. Uh, they're not necessarily putting them in writing because it takes a while to do that. And they change so fast that they couldn't keep up. Do not travel to the Middle East. 
be very careful traveling to Europe. If you're Jewish, you travel inside your town. Do not go to a foreign country. You're in enough danger in this country, in a big city. You don't need to be going to foreign countries where there are targets on your backs. We see the protests. We see the demonstrations. Many of them are getting very violent. I think as time goes on, they're going to increase. And today, I guess they uh, put out a warning for today that the defense contractors and some of the others involved in the war process, they were going to have massive demonstrations by the Palestinians, by the um, Muslims, Hezbollah, Hamas, who's ever here. Now, unfortunately, I haven't been able to get on the Internet this morning, so I can't verify it. But that was put out as a warning by the FBI yesterday. So may have started already, may not have. Just understand that's one of the things they're looking at right now. Yeah. <clears throat> Let me weigh in on a couple of things here. First of all, holidays are always a high high target time frame for terrorist attacks. Let's remember what these folks are. They're terrorists. And however this may fit into the big picture, which I've written and talked so much about, it really is on this you know basic level, a terrorist attack. Hamas needs to be absolutely destroyed and wiped out. And everybody understands that that's what Israel's trying to do. Obviously, in the mainstream media, they're trying to foment this uh, narrative that says, you know, there's, you know, uh, wrongdoing on both sides and Israel's at fault for killing innocent civilians. We know that's not true. We know that Israel has a long history of doing everything they can to minimize civilian casualties, uh, whereas Hamas and Hezbollah and the terrorists, they target civilians on purpose. So don't listen to that narrative that the Jewish people are the good guys. They're the good guys theologically, biblically, democratically, politically. They're the victims here. Let's get the bad guys and and never never lose sight of the who's on what side. But all that said, they they do want to do more here. And uh, you know, we need to understand that holidays are a very common time. They like um high density things, you know, like every year there's talk of uh, threats and dangers to the uh, Times Square uh, when uh, on New Year's Eve, uh, other big sporting events, um, those types of things. So uh, I think uh, it would not surprise me. Plus, it kind of fits in with the timetable that I've been studying and hearing about for a long time, which is that 2024 is going to be the year when everything is kind of coming to a head to prepare for the finish line in 2025, which is what the Luciferians want. They want to they want to have this one world system by 2025, as I talk about in Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2. So I could see something happening, you know, end of the year, beginning of the year, that sort of preempts any type of election or preempts, you know, normalcy uh, the way we see it. Uh, by the way, so, so is your internet out, uh, Randy? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. It was for the iPads and stuff. I got the computer to work with the rest of them. Yeah. Not working yet. So. Well, I just I just got another alert. I don't know anything about it, so it's it could be nothing, but it's a, a Fox News alert that said there was a chemical explosion in Texas that has forced a shelter in place. Uh, I grew up down there in southeast uh, Texas, high school and college, and, and we lived uh, down there for a number of years. Four of our six children were born down there. I've still got relatives down there. Uh, but that whole... Uh, ship channel area on the Gulf there where all the refineries are is always a, a real dangerous place. So uh, who knows uh, whether that's anything foul play or just another accident because it's fairly common. Uh, but uh, these are the kind of alerts that we 
we want to stay tuned into because, uh, uh, you know, it's very likely, unless the Lord intervenes or unless the rapture happens, which we hope it happens today, Maranatha, uh, that something is going to happen on our homeland that's going to be pretty significant. Well, um, granted, and I think it's going to be multiple different things. I don't think it'll be just one thing. Um, you, we know that the terrorists that have come across our border are armed with chemical weapons, biological weapons, possibly nuclear weapons, uh, anti-aircraft missiles. So it's just a matter of getting it all together. Trying The biggest problem with this is trying to figure out when and where. Now, I'm sure it's going to be in a lot of the major cities. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be in small towns. Police officers, military are going to be um, subjects of the attacks, as are Jewish people. And churches, churches and synagogues, I worry about the most because most of them are soft targets. Some of them have security. Some of them have nothing. And for one or two terrorists to walk in and open up on a congregation just would not be that tough. You know, it concerns me. We used to think of Turkey as being an ally. They have a large, very formidable army, air force, navy. But now they are definitely turning against Israel and the United States and NATO, as we discussed, I think, back in January, February. We said they were going to move away from NATO. That's exactly what they're doing. They are totally in bed with the Russians and the Chinese right now. Um, our airbase at Inserlik is surrounded daily by protesters and demonstrators. Uh, we have 50 nuclear weapons, give or take a few there, on that base. And basically, they need to get out of there. Sooner or later, they're going to break through like they did in Afghanistan, and then we are going to have a mess. Now, Turkey is one of those primary countries involved in the Gog-Magog war coming up shortly. Iran. Iran, they keep wondering, do they have nuclear weapons? Do they not? We go back to April. Russia was supplying them with nuclear warheads at that time. They were being delivered. So I don't understand what the question is. Yes, they have some. I'm sure the North Koreans have made some for them. The Russians have given them more. What concerns me is with the naval presence we have over in the Persian Gulf, Red Sea, and out on the eastern part of the Mediterranean, those ships are now at risk from the anti-ship missiles that are handled by the terrorists and by Iran, and Turkey, etc., I don't know why anybody would move that many assets that close to a war zone when they know those types of weapons are available because they could basically wipe out the entire fleet, the 5th, 6th, and part of the 7th fleet in an evening. So I don't know what they're thinking. If they're setting it up because they want us to lose, if they want them to get hit, that way we can't stop anything going on with Israel. If I was in Israel, I would consider myself by myself. I mean, you and your country of 7 million people, we're there to help you. I don't know how much longer. I don't know how effective we're going to be. But when our Secretary of State Blinken goes to Jordan, Iraq, he goes into Turkey, and basically they don't even meet with him. That should tell you you're by yourself, and so are we to help you. Yeah, and and they're out there, Biden and Blinken, out there saying, oh, we need a pause. We need a pause. Are you kidding me? I mean, you think America would pause if, you know, they had cut off the heads of our children and raped our women and, you know, held 200 
people hostage and were still, of course not. I mean, after 9-11, we couldn't get into Afghanistan fast enough. And we ended up going into Iraq, which had nothing to do with 9-11, even on the official narrative. And uh, no weapons of mass destruction were found there. Uh, and yet we just were, you know, had this bloodlust. So it's just so hypocritical for them to be uh, calling on Israel to pause uh, when uh, they're not going to stop, nor should they stop until they put an end uh, to this uh, to these terrorists. And as we know from talking to Bill Salas and other Israel experts on our show, you know, biblically speaking, we know that Israel is going to ultimately vanquish all their flow, uh, their foes at the start of the tribulation. They will be in peace. And it won't be until the midpoint of the tribulation that the Antichrist and his tyrannical regime turn their uh, sights on Israel and start killing uh, Jews again. But at the beginning of the tribulation, it's a time when Israel has no nations that are uh, coming against them. So, uh, you know, I'm not, I can't say with certainty, none of us can, that this is the beginning of that and going to lead into that directly. I mean, we don't have the mind of God. There could be a longer a delay. There could be a simmering down and a flaring back up. My gut tells me this is it. We're heading into it. But my point is, <clears throat> you know, it just it betrays their anti-Jewish uh, commitment when they start saying you need to pause uh, for a while and start talking uh, peace. You know, oh, look, uh, the time you know for for talking about uh, peace is with these terrorists is over. I mean, they. However it happened, and we've talked at length about that with a lot of experts, uh, that's beside the point. The point is they uh, perpetrated a horrific uh, crime that, by the way, if you look at the per capita or total population, uh, the number of deaths from the October 7th uh, surprise attack by Hamas, you know, would, would if that same type of thing had happened proportionally in America, it would have dwarfed 9-11, just to keep that in perspective. It would have made 9-11 look like, you know, uh, something fairly minor by comparison. So uh, I just, I don't know, I get animated when I think about how they're manipulating public opinion here. Uh, and uh, I, I hope, uh, you know, I hope it comes to an end. Well, it will come in the final battle. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we keep looking at all of the countries that are involved. Okay. Egypt has amassed a huge army at the Rafa Gate. We don't know if they're going to be helping Israel or if they're going to be marching against Israel. The Russians have uh, increased the training and the arming of the Libyans. Libya, Egypt, two of them in the last war. Then we have the Sudan, so watch them. Watch Algeria. Jordan, we have a major base on the western edge of Jordan right by Israel. Right now, King Abdullah is trying to be kind of a mediator, but I've noticed in the last week or so, he's starting to be a lot more anti-Israel. Now, what we have to understand, they keep saying, well, let all the citizens of Gaza get out. They've had a month. How long does it take to get out of a small country like that? If they wanted to get out, they'd get out, right? Mm -hmm. So Hamas has got to be eradicated. What they have what they have done is it's as bad or worse than the Nazis in World War II. Mm -hmm. I've got to tell you, the stuff I've looked at, the stuff I've read, uh, I don't see much difference between them, to be honest. Hezbollah, the Islamic Jihad, the PMU, all of them are of the same mindset. We know where it culminates soon. 
But what we're going to have to go through in between there is hard to believe and hard to imagine. Now, the one key player to know where we're at, if you see Russia all of a sudden getting ready and amassing troops on the border to head south or to head into the Mediterranean towards Israel, you're going to know exactly where we're at. Hmm. We can debate the Psalm 83 war, all of this stuff till we're blue in the face. But the real factors that will tell us are coming up. And all you have to do is just see how far Turkey goes, see how far Russia goes. Um, Putin, I do believe he believes he is God. He and Trump talked about that when Trump was first elected. And I think Putin honestly believes that is his position. Now, it's kind of strange because when he was growing up, he was taken care of by an older gentleman and his wife that were Jewish. He and Netanyahu at one time were best buddies. They're not any longer. So I don't know what has transpired in there. Obviously, something has, whether it be demonic or otherwise. But Putin now looks at Israel as a thorn in the side of Russia and everybody else. Russia has made their alliances. These are not going to change. Um, all we need to do is wait to see when they start moving. Russia is getting ready to basically basically take out the rest of the Ukraine. They have their troops in place. They are marching where they need to march. The Ukrainians make their little um, attacks, which they like to blow up in the media, which turn out to be nothing. But you have to remember, Russia has a million men in the UK, in the Ukraine and on the border. They are starting to move. They're going to use winter to their advantage. Ukraine is going to cease. Uh, Zelensky keeps saying, you Americans, you have to give me more money. And I'm thinking of the billions that we gave him had half of that not been going to the corrupt politicians and service people in the Ukraine. They could have won this war or they could have at least come to an agreement before now. And, and going back to Netanyahu and Putin and Zelensky, for that matter, let's not forget they're all Davos guys. They're all Klaus Schwab, World Economic Forum disciples. They're kind of following the the blueprint that they've laid out for Agenda 2030 and the the, the globalist plan to take over the world. So, uh, yeah, it's you know this this whole conspiracy is not uh, perfect. It's not monolithic. Sometimes uh, alliances break down, and people that were once working together uh, become enemies. So so who knows? And and a lot of times it's all theater too. It's like a a wrestling match, professional wrestling match, where you know they seem like they're really mad at each each other but back in the locker room they're high-fiving and saying hey good one let's let's try it this way this next time you know so we don't really know what we don't know but uh i think one thing that doesn't get said enough uh is that you know all roads lead back to uh, davos and uh, klaus schwab and the world economic forum yeah definitely i mean if we look at the russians okay they're out of the start treaty the nuclear test ban treaty and the conventional forces in Europe. In other words, there are no treaties remaining between NATO, the U.S., or Russia as far as weaponry goes, and now it's just a free-for-all. So you're going to see everybody testing nuclear weapons again and probably getting ready to use them very shortly. There's been a massive buildup in Kaliningrad, which is a little landmass north of Poland, of um, Russian troops, Russian missiles, uh, it's like they're getting ready to make a move on the Baltic states. Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, 
I think we're going to see things heat up in the Middle East. And then while we're all preoccupied there, I think Russia is going to move on those three countries. And they may even move further into Poland because Poland is really their biggest adversary right now. The Polish do not like the Russians and vice versa. Um, Poland wants to get rid of Russia, which they're never going to do. So look for the outbreak as soon as the Middle East picks up, and it'll be very shortly. Hezbollah, Syria, Iraq, Iran, Jordan, all of them move. And watch Russia because they're going to move in, take over the Baltics, and probably finish off the Ukraine. Mm. And that probably is going to be between, be between now and the very first part of the year. Um, you can only take a million troops and keep them stationary for so long. Then you got to get them moving to um, take care of your objective. Objective. It's uh, going to be winter there. Ground will be frozen. Perfect time for a fight. Uh, so don't don't be surprised when that happens. So we have Turkey aligning with Russia. We have Iran getting ready for a full-blown war, at least the way they look. And then we have little things like last night in Australia. There was a massive cyber attack, which affected 10 million customers of the internet. Um, basically, it took out Optus is the internet provider that was affected. Took out 10 million people, 40,000 businesses, no internet, no communications, no nothing for hours. I think it's being brought back online today. They think it was probably China that did it, but I don't think they know yet for sure. Look for that to happen here, probably in the near future. You know, we're going to have cyber attacks. We could have an EMP. We're going to have the terrorists, plus all the battles. We're going to be fighting the Mideast and everywhere else. Now, understand, we're broke. We have spent almost another trillion dollars in the last six weeks. I don't know where we're getting this money, but I can tell you right now, it's it's worthless. It um, The banking collapse is coming. Citizens Bank, which is a small bank out of Iowa, $66 million in assets, was uh, seized by the FDIC over the weekend. And there are a lot of other banks that are teetering. Now, a lot of people have noticed that there is a delay in the uh, deposits into their checking account from different agencies. Some government agencies, some big banks are having trouble. Understand what they're doing right now, CBDC, they are pushing it. They are integrating it further. There are other providers besides FedNow, which basically are the conduit for the money to move between banks. RTI is one of them. I think they're trying to get rid of RTI because RTI is private. A lot of banks really like using them better than they like FedNow. But RTI has got to go to the wayside before we get fed down the CBDC to work as it's supposed to. Yeah. And I think those delays, I was kind of watching that. I think a lot of that is, is manufactured to, to kind of encourage banks to go to fed now. See, if we had fed now, there wouldn't be these delays and that, that kind of thing. And even if it was not <clears throat> manufactured, you know, they never let a good crisis go to waste. They're certainly going to get leverage out of it and say, well, see, you know, these are the kind of things that happen when you don't use fed now with fed. Now it's instant. You never have to worry about a delay. So, uh, which, you know, from a pragmatic perspective, like all technology, FedNow in and of itself is not bad. It's just what it leads to and prepares the way for that uh, causes us to kind of raise the red flag. Exactly. Now, we have Jamie Dimon. 
J.P. Morgan sold off a million shares and he's still got seven million left. But he knows they're going to have problems. They're going down. He's buying cheap, going to sell long. We all know that exactly what he's doing. Warren Buffett has done the same thing. We have um, these kind of transactions are going on every day and nobody really pays attention. I mean, J.P. Morgan supposedly has more money than pretty much any bank in the world, but they are laying off 24,000 workers. Mm-hmm. Maersk, the big um, shipping giant that we talked about a few weeks ago that are basically signed up with the Chinese, they're laying off 10,000. FedEx, I did confirm, talking to a FedEx man, that they are going to contract labor. They're going to get paid a certain amount, and they'll get paid over time, but there will be no health benefits. There will be no bennies whatsoever. Hmm. So if you're going to ship, I go post office or UPS, because otherwise your FedEx package may not get there because they're not going to be very happy people. We know that. Um, Expect a lot of disruptions. Supply chain, um, purchasing different items, purchasing power. Expect a lot of that to really come on board now that the holidays are here. You're going to find out the credit card companies probably going to cut whatever your um, limits were, increasing the um, interest rates because we won't know for a couple of weeks how many people didn't make their student loan payments last month. But I would imagine that there were a lot of the auto loans are not being paid. It's getting worse month by month. Mortgages are now going to the place where people are going to have to sell. They cannot afford it anymore. So this these things take time. We've been talking about them for a few months. Just understand it's all coming to fruition. And when it hits, it's going to be a mess. And it's probably going to be hitting anytime between now and the first of the year, according to the economists, according to the financial planners, etc. It's all set up. It's ready to tumble. So here it comes. Merry Christmas. <laughs> well, well, Merry Christmas to you, too, on that happy <laughs> note. <laughs> no, I tell you what, I've said for years that uh, the economy is on life support. It's just a matter of when the powers that be decide to pull the plug. Uh, I don't think it will happen organically. Now, at least they're not wanting it to happen organically. They're wanting it to happen on their queue. But that said, it's such so precarious right now, it wouldn't take much for it to happen organically. Something beyond the control of the Luciferian elite that all of a sudden it comes crashing down. And and really that's one of their big fears is that because they don't control everything, some rogue element, some unexpected uh, thing happens and 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 all of a sudden you know their plans are interrupted and that's happened time and again throughout the centuries when they think they're getting close to ushering in a globalist one world system uh, something happens to uh, preempt it now we know from a biblical and spiritual perspective that it's God God is intervening and because he's the ultimate arbiter of the timetable but if we are in fact seeing the the setup to the end times, a, a, a prophetic plan as outlined in scripture, then, you know, we know they're queuing it up right now that the Luciferians are. This is their uh, deepest desire is to have this thing all signed, sealed, and delivered in a one world system with a, the downfall of America by uh, the end of this decade. And so, uh, you know, they've talked about 2025 for for the longest time as I've, as I've outlined. So folks, uh, you need to be uh, aware 
of this kind of stuff from the big picture. I've had the opportunity over the last uh, two or three days to talk to several people uh, offline about the Luciferian conspiracy. Uh, and I've just reminded that I don't really you know, state the obvious as much as I should, because I, you know, most of our listeners have followed our teaching. They've read a lot of my stuff. They kind of know where we're coming from, but I encourage you to read and give out Spirit of the Antichrist volumes one and two and Spirit of the False Prophet, Rise of the Global Technocracy, those three latest books that really in great detail sketch out for us where this world is headed from a biblical and a Luciferian perspective. What are they doing at the behest of Satan to try to usher in a one-world political, religious, and economic system? And it covers a wealth of information. Those of you that have read the books uh, know that. And uh, now more than ever, people need to be awakened uh, to this uh you know, to this Luciferian plot that's that's clearly described in Psalm chapter 2. Uh, and so I would just encourage you, uh, you know, uh, now's not the time to run and hide. Now's the time to educate yourself, because we are living in prophetic times. We're living at a time when we're seeing, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, things come to fruition uh, that are all working towards the same goal. So, um, uh, what you can do is uh, send out to your friends and family the uh, URLs for those books, spiritofantichrist.org and spiritofthefalseprophet.org. And both of those pages will uh, give folks a complete rundown on the books, the, the, the uh, outline, the table of contents, the subject matter. Uh, we include the entire preface for both books, all three books there at those two websites. Uh, and it just, I think, will pique people's interest and, um, and give them uh, the framework to really interpret uh, what's happening in the world around us. Um, any closing thoughts, Randy? Two things. I noticed in the last two days that everybody's getting all shook about this little drop of blood that they take from every baby's heel in the United States and many other countries. Now, this is called this taken for called a PKU, fetal kinaneuria um, disease. Basically, what it is, the body cannot break down proteins from milk and meat, eggs, etc. They take a sample on every baby born, regardless of where in the country you are. That's just something that's done. Now, they they get this test. They can find out if the baby has problems with that, and they can stave off the baby dying at a very early age. Now, there's information that the University of Texas, I believe it was, sold some of the uh, samples to the government, and that some other um, universities, some other hospitals have been selling them to the highest bidder for the DNA. Now, it could be true, may not be true, but all I'm saying is don't forego the test because this was a necessary test. We'll find out more about what's going on. But, you know, if you're worried about DNA and stuff like that, just understand that if you've ever done any of the ancestry type uh, organizations online, whether they be ancestry.com, da 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 da, remember, most of those are owned by the Chinese. So the Chinese have your DNA. They have your records. Now, Ancestry, I think, is one of the few that is not sold out to them yet. But, you know, they may be able to use the DNA against you someday, very possibly. But don't forgo everything else just because of the conspiracies that come up every week. 
Yeah, I mean, I tell you what, Randy, uh, I've been following that one for a long time, and it's it's one of the true conspiracies. There's no question that, uh, and by the way, personally, I wouldn't let the doctors stick anything in my baby when it's born. Uh, uh, you know, you don't, those tests are not that critical, but GlaxoKlein-Smith uh, is paying 23andMe, one of those DNA, you know, sites, uh, the genetic, you know, sites where you can find your ancestry, Uh $20 million to extend their contract. They were 23andMe was linked with Google at the outset uh, and, you know, through family connections. And they got came about as a result of a huge $1 billion fundraising uh, campaign that the CIA and the NSA were in on. So, yeah, when you I, I saw that coming a long time ago, not so much the, the, the testing that newborns go through, but the whole um, genetic websites out there, you know, ancestry.com and all that. I knew that it was nothing but a massive data harvesting uh, campaign and why someone would want to give something as vital as their DNA to some unknown third-party company, even if they think it's a private company, even if they think it's just, you know, some private company, which it's not, they're all controlled. Uh, I just don't know why you would want to do that. And if you have, well, just know that your your DNA is clearly in a DNA bank somewhere, and uh, and they've got it. Now, they can get DNA pretty easily now, so it's not like if you don't volunteer it through one of those sites, you're somehow in the clear. If they want to get your DNA, they'll get it, illegally or not. Uh, but I don't know why you'd want to volunteer it. Well, you know, the thing is, as you get older, you become a grandpa, you get crusty, and you, you know, there's certain things that don't matter. Uh, if they have mine... Great. They can have more if they want it. What are they going to do? Would it, you know, what possible purpose would having my DNA serve? Nothing except, yeah. you know, they want to cut me off in a year from Social Security and everything. Or right. take you out. I mean, in, in in your case, it's probably not a big deal or mine, but they frequently use uh, that. Th this has been shown all over the country in major labs, in, you know, crime labs across the country where they use DNA to plant evidence and make people look guilty of things they didn't do. So, you know, it's a very powerful weapon if you fall if it falls into the wrong hands and you know they could absolutely make it look like your dna was found at the at the crime scene of something and and take you out if they wanted to do that you know i've always you know you we read a lot about that we hear about those stories and stuff if they want to take me out being the salty person that i am <laughs> i just soon we do it face to face in a kinetic fashion yeah and we'll see how that goes. Oh, I you would know, love to have a ringside seat for that. But uh, not going to last long because I'm not as good, good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. And if you want three minutes of hell on earth, I could give it to you. <laughs> the, most, the most important thing I want to bring up right now, I have family in Nebraska. I have a cousin in his family that live with my uncle and aunt in a duplex. My uncle's been suffering from stage four lung cancer and other things, and he's getting much worse. And now his 20-year-old grandson that lives about 50 feet from him uh, basically hasn't been feeling good. So he went in for a chest x-ray and everything. Everything looked okay. He went back two weeks later, and now he has a mass the size of a Nerf football, hmm. which they believe is non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Hmm. What I would ask everybody to do, my uh, uncle's name is Milt. My cousin's son is Anthony. You say a little prayer for them every day. Hmm. 
because I'm sure the doctors are going to do what the doctors can do. But, you know, God has all power. Mm. He is able to do anything and everything. And I think with this family being the good Christians that they are, this would be a testament to the power of God that they would tell everybody. Amen. Well, let's pray right now. You know, uh, our, for our listeners, uh, you know, sometimes we pray on the air. We always pray. Every single podcast I've done, seven over 700 of them uh, since we started podcasting, we pray with the guests before we go on air. Uh, and we just ask the Lord to use it, ask the gospel to go forth, ask for uh, just b- b- believers to be encouraged. And then occasionally, as we feel led, we pray on the air uh, as well. And this is one of those times. So let me pray for Milton. And it's Anthony, you said? Yes. All right, let's pray for him. Lord, I just lift up Milton and Anthony right now, Lord, facing incredible uh, health uh, crisis. We know that you are in the healing business and that, uh, Lord, uh, you could heal them instantly if that's your will. So we pray that your will would be done. Pray for comfort for the family, for Randy, for others. Uh, just pray for the doctors as they decide the best course of action, humanly speaking. But Lord, we place them in your hands and pray for a miracle in this case. And Lord, I know there are many others out there in our listening audience that have similar health needs and you are such an amazing god that you can you can hear all of these requests at once and work in incredible uh, miraculous ways uh in each one of them and so we just lift up those that are facing similar health concerns uh at this time and, and place them in your hands as well and we pray this in jesus name amen amen thank you Hey, you bet, brother. Well, thanks so much. And folks, I want to remind you uh, to come visit Plum Creek Chapel uh, in Denver. That's where I have the privilege of being the teaching pastor. I'm uh, here for pretty much the rest of November and most of December. Uh, and then we hit the road again in the end of December. Uh, but And then next year, boy, next year is starting off with a bang. Check out our events page at notbyworks.org, and you can see some of the, the great conferences that we have uh, been invited to speak at, and they're already booked. Uh, but uh, this Sunday at Plum Creek Chapel, I'm going to be continuing to talk about Israel uh, from, <clears throat> from the Word of God, and we're going to talk about dispensationalism in particular. And we're going to talk about why you're a dispensationalist, whether you realize it or not, and that's this Sunday at Plum Creek Chapel. We had record attendance last Sunday. God is continuing to bless. We ran out of parking in both services, um, and it's just it thrills my heart to see uh, the packed uh, uh, place. We actually do have more parking. Uh, someone corrected me when I said that yesterday. We did have parking at the far back in the grass, so there's still room, but it was definitely uh, you know, tight uh, parking in both services. Uh, but we live stream that too. So if you're not in the Denver metro area of Colorado, uh, you can live stream it at 10 o'clock, just uh, mountain time, 10 o'clock mountain. Uh, so that would be 11 central, noon eastern, nine Pacific. Uh, and you can, uh, you know, go to notbyworks.org, click on the live stream button and watch the, the service or the message anyway from there. But these are very important messages for such a time as this, as we try to make sense of how Israel fits in God's plan of the ages. So uh, great church. We love the folks there. Just met with our leadership last night and uh, just really am so blessed to be a part of a PCC Plum Creek uh, Chapel. So pray for us and uh, come join us sometime if you're ever in the Denver metro area. Well, thanks again, everyone. Uh, God bless. If we can ever help with anything, you can check it out at notbyworks.org. Click the contact button. We've got a 1-800 number. We've got our uh, email address there. 
and uh, love to help out if we can. Thanks for your patience. Those of you that have been emailing in questions, uh, I've got way more than we can ever handle at one time, but we we are hoping to do another Q&A here before too long, and uh, we'll try to get back to you on those if we can, but we're just overwhelmed right now with uh, uh, questions and ministry demands and just don't have the time to answer every biblical uh, question that you send in. So thanks, everyone. God bless. Thanks, Randy, and uh, talk again soon.